What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host, Peter Tran, and on the line, the first baby daddy, the OG. L to the OG. <laughs> the Iceman himself, Josh Cohen. How you doing? I'm feeling well, unlike half of the NBA right now. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, I would ask our residential medical expert, but he's not here. So that makes me Josh's- the residential medical expert today. Oh my god, are you the interim? I am. You know when players have an interim coach, they just play a lot better? <laughs> you know, kind of like what the Sacramento Kings would be if they were actually a good team? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like the Chicago Bulls recently when they brought in Stanley Johnson to replace, you know, whoever won in the COVID, and then they had to replace the replacement player. That's who <laughs> I am right now. Whoever they brought in to replace Stanley. So you're not Stanley Johnson or Alize Johnson, you're... Whoever they signed after him, who knows who that is? Yeah, I don't know. Duke Duke Junior. No, I think he plays for. <laughs> I think he plays for the Nets. Yeah. David Duke. Oh, du- not a good Dookie. name for anybody. <laughs> no, nah, man, I'm gonna call that dude Dukey from now on. Yeah. Remember Dukey from the Wire? <laughs> you imagine that kid oh, yeah. growing up though, as a black kid growing up with the leader of the KKK's name? Oh man. Is that what the guy's name is? Yeah, the guy's name is David Duke. He's like the guy who created the KKK or is like the, the I, main wizard over the last 40 years. <laughs> the Grand Wizard. The main wizard. Grand Wizard. Is that actually his title? I think so, yeah. Wow. I did not know any of this. Clearly, I don't know much about the KKK. <laughs> I've watched a few documentaries. Anyways, so like I said, it's just going to be the two of us today. Raj is off on a beach somewhere, hopefully drinking a pina colada or some sort of margarita. I think he's actually flying back today, so hopefully he got that negative test, you know? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Imagine imagine going to a wedding and then coming back and having to quarantine. How awful would that be? At least he's working from home now. If you're not working from home, then you're taking two extra weeks vacation. Man, that'd be rough. Yeah, no kidding. But I guess we can use this as a segue, right? I mean, it looks like half the league has COVID right now. Maybe a quarter of the league, Josh? We're looking at stars like Giannis going, is out of here. Harden is out of here. Like we said before, half the Nets roster, the Nets somehow hilariously beat the Raptors with uh, seven or eight players behind the backs of Patty Mills and Kevin Durant, which is more pitiful than anything else for the Raptors. You know, just saying. Uh, the Bulls, same thing. Canceled two of their games on Thursday against the Raptors and then Saturday against the Lakers, I think. Or something along those lines. I mean, two or three games have been canceled for them. All this to say... Uh, this this COVID thing is getting pretty rough. This apparently this Omicron thing is kind of real. Yeah, and then today it was reported that pretty much Sacramento's entire team has COVID. And uh, the last few minutes, there's uh, now five Lakers in COVID protocols, including Russell Westbrook and uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, and who knows who else. I mean, LeBron had that uh, scare a couple weeks ago. Avery Bradley. Thank you very much. Yeah, Avery Bradley. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see now with Russell Westbrook out. Um, you got the Lakers with LeBron and AD back in their previous form. And you have a bunch of players around them that, uh, you know, should compliment them. But that's besides the point right now. I need to go on my COVID soapbox right now. <laughs> I- I'm officially turned. I guess I've now switched boats, I guess you could say. I think we need to now look at this as this is something we just have to live with from now on. I think I'm in that boat now instead of just like quarantining everybody and going into lockdown 
I'm done with that now. I think we're at a point now where we just have to understand, like, there's going to be other variants after this as well. And if 75% of the population plus is vaccinated and gets their booster shots and, you know, the symptoms aren't severe for those people, then I think we just have to start living life as normal, in my opinion. And if they want to protect, like for Ontario, for example, like 50% of, um, you know, fans cannot show up for the Golden State game on Saturday now. I'm not even sure how they're going to decide which people are not going to be allowed to show up. That's a whole nother topic. But what are we even doing? Like the stadium requires either a negative test or proof of vaccination. Just get rid of the negative test requirement. Don't allow unvaccinated people inside your stadium. Just make it so... Like society should just make it so it's almost impossible not to get the shot. And the more people that have the shot, the easier it is to get back to normal life. Right? That's my opinion on it. I mean, <laughs> so that's, why Why do you feel this way? Why did a sudden change of heart is the real question. Honestly, I felt like this for a little while now. It just seemed full pot to actually say it out loud. But I think a lot more people are coming to this realization now. And now with all the sports leagues, you know, basically doing the same thing as they were last year despite 97% of the NBA being vaccinated it just doesn't make sense to do the same things I just don't understand it because next year it's going to be the exact same thing too and we're going to have to get more booster shots and still keep these guys up for 10 plus days for what reason if they feel fine and everyone else is vaccinated like just honestly I'm not saying like ignore it completely but do what you were doing in the early part of the season I don't think all this testing is necessary honestly if everyone's vaccinated and got their booster booster shots too like it's i don't know it's too much <laughs> i'm tired of it oh my goodness i i'm not gonna lie to you i was expecting more out of this i thought you were gonna really go off the rails with this but this is like i'm sure much like many more people than you think feel the same way right like the idea that we got to stop everything in the world just you know, to go back into a lockdown or to limit capacities into these places. Yeah, because it's not going to change anything. We've been through you know. this before, and they're just going to keep looking at the numbers and being like, okay, we're at uh, 1,800 cases now, so we needed to shut things down. And they shut things down for a while, and then it goes back to that, and you're just like, everyone's vaccinated now. Who cares? Like, you know, like protect the old people, obviously, and, you know, make sure that you have things in place for, you know, big events, obviously. Make sure everyone's vaccinated. But at a certain point, like, I think we're coming to this realization too slowly that this is not going to change. And I think we need to put the changes in place sooner rather than later so people start to get used to normalcy again. I think maybe but next what? year you're going to find that they might change the rules and say that, you know, if you test positive, um, maybe at this point, as long as you have your booster shots and you're fully vaccinated maybe you're allowed to play the games now because maybe they'll come to an agreement with the, you know, the players association and just say, you know, as long as everyone's comfortable with us, this is what we should do going forward. I think that's, it's going to happen eventually. So why not now when we're already at 97% in terms of the, like the players being vaccinated? I just don't really get it. <laughs> it's going in that direction well, eventually. Just do it now. But what about the children, Josh? Yeah, that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> <laughs> As a new baby daddy, Josh, you got to start thinking of the children now. Yeah, I already do with that case, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm more curious as to... I'm, I want to see like when the league will stop, right? 
like if we continue going in this direction where you know the Bulls have canceled three games the Nets should have canceled games right like realistically the Nets Raptors game shouldn't have happened they should have canceled that because they were playing guys that they signed the day of like who the hell was on that roster that night other than Patty Mills Blake Griffin Kevin Durant it seemed like Nick they Claxton. only played that game because Kevin Durant wanted to. Because all they had to do was just say that, you know, Kevin Durant's uh, ankle was not feeling well enough at game time because he was a game time decision because of his ankle. And they would have had seven players and they could have just sat out the game. And instead they played him 46 minutes. Like the last 10 games he's played around 40 plus minutes a game, which is crazy. But yeah, I don't really understand why they just didn't take that stance besides just Kevin Durant telling them I want to play. Maybe because the best player in the world said he's going to play the tonight. And so they're like, oh, okay, well, let's let KD play. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know why? <laughs> he's got to get his revenge on Toronto. Yeah, I guess. They but... took a championship from him, man. No, for sure, for sure. But at the same time, like, it doesn't really seem like... They... I don't know. They're, like, treating him as if he was on the Knicks, you know? Like, it's like Coach Thibodeau has taken over the Nets and just playing Kevin Durant 40-plus minutes a game. Like, Steve Nash has turned into Thibodeau lately. I mean, even the playoffs, he played him 48 minutes a game in a couple of those games. And this is a guy... Yeah, but those are overtime games, though. There was there weren't regulation games that KD played all, all 48, was there? No, no, just the playoff games against Milwaukee. But even then, yeah. like, it was just him by himself because James Harden was on one leg. So that's been an interesting subplot. <laughs> James Harden looks like he's got a rolling pin now, man. He's looking thick. Yeah, a little bit washed, too. Yeah, he definitely doesn't have the same steps that he used to have. It's kind of a shame. Maybe this COVID thing slows you down. Maybe it aggravates your hamstring. Oh, if he's not working out for 10 days, too, like, he's already fat, so he's going to come back in Lucas shape. He might come back looking like Zion. It's definitely a possibility. My goodness, blood, another shoe? Oof. Might blow up more than that. Uh. <laughs> Oh man, I don't know. I don't, this COVID thing is becoming a little much, my friend. And yeah, I don't think the league is gonna actually gonna do anything about it other than continue to test this year. Yeah, they're gonna have more strict testing based on the reporting the last two days. But this is gonna shut down the league eventually if they keep doing this, right? Like it's trending that way. You already have again the five players out for the Lakers. You have sixty-three players in total now. Forty-seven in December. Two head coaches, one top executive in Masai. I just, like, why are we even doing the vaccinations then, you know? Like, this is part of the reason why we wanted to get back to normal life, right? Like, you get the vaccinations, you get the booster shots, you get enough of the percentage of the population up to where, you know, you're not having the death rate at a certain point. And you got to go back to somewhat normal life eventually. Just seems like they're the inevitable. Maybe this is new normal, Josh. Nah, I don't. I don't agree with that. <laughs> no, I hope not. <laughs> That's awful of it. Is. No, no. This would be so shit if this is what we're, we've come to. Oh man, That's so sad. I was really hoping to, you know, see more out of this Bulls team. Like, imagine Bulls and Raptors tonight. How hype would that be? Demar in Toronto. Yeah. Or is it in? Would have been in Chicago. Oh no, in Toronto. I think it's yeah. Toronto. Yep. Yeah, Demar back in Toronto. Man. And now we're not going to see it. Not for a while. And the Raptors are going to have uh, half capacity. 10,000 instead of 20,000 people in Scotiabank Arena on Saturday to see Steph show. Man. 
And then you're going to have to reschedule this game later on the season. And then probably maybe one or both of these teams are playing three and four days or four and five because of it. And you're just not sacrificing player health, but you're not helping it. That's for sure. It's okay, though. OG will be healthier by then, you know? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you don't think OG is going to be healthy at the end of the season? (laughs) I don't know. He's out for the foreseeable future. So who knows what that means? What is he out with? Uh, he's got a hip flexor thing. He heard it in practice, and then he had a setback. And now he's questionable for Saturday, so that's a positive. But, you know, last week they said he's out for the foreseeable future, so who knows? We'll see. Oh, no. He can't cover Juan Toscano Anderson. <laughs> what a shame that would be. Can you imagine getting tickets for those games? And then, like, especially the Golden State game, and now there's 50% yeah. capacity, so you may not even be able to go in the first place. But if you do go, there was a report today that said Golden State's probably going to arrest their players on that day too so oh really yeah you're gonna get stuck with that ticket most likely watching wow. Juan Toscana Anderson you know play on his own out there all the veterans are supposed to rest on Saturday on a back-to-back wow imagine going to see the Warriors and you're stuck with Juan Toscano Anderson and Damian Lee so you might actually be getting lucky if they're you're told that you know you're part of the 50% that can go honestly get a full refund I mean, dude especially with Toronto Raptors tickets pricing Woo. Mm-hmm. Woo. That's like top three in the league. Yeah. This Maybe top five. It Maybe might top be top five. three, honestly. <laughs> yeah, honestly, behind the Knicks and the Lakers, I don't see who else would be like definitely ahead of them. Yeah, maybe Chicago the Clippers this year, and, but yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe Chicago, but that's about it. Yeah. Top, that's why I said top five for sure, but easily top five. Ah, let's get a move on, man. Um, I know we already talked about it. Like, we already touched upon this multiple times, but uh, there's another... Major issue in the league, other than COVID, Josh, and it still relates to health and safety of these guys, mainly health, because we're seeing a lot of players showing up real fat in the season. Obviously, we've seen the photos of Zion, you know, showing up like, dude looks like he's the Hulk out there, but like a fat version, like the blob, you know? You got guys like Luca, who said he took three weeks off in the summer, and like, Let's be real. He played in the Olympics. He played uh, like a moderate playoff stretch, you know. And then the play uh, the Olympics, he was in the bronze medal game. So you know they went deep. But nonetheless, Luca looking real thick out there. And then we already talked about your favorite player, James Harden, potentially just being washed. I mean, I mean, I guess the real question is when do guys like Zion and Luca really? understand that you can't show up real fat all the time like Nikola Jokic took Jokic a few years to figure out that you can't you know down two liters of Pepsi every day during the offseason yeah when I mean will, it, when will Luca learn the same same thing it took Jokic what, at least six years seven years maybe to finally get in shape no like four y- Jokic came in skinny no he did remember that but... when Jokic was drafted like remember those clips of him like passing the ball to Kenneth Fareed mm. dude he was skinny and then he got real fat. Very quickly. Yeah. It was like two off seasons and then he just let himself go. And then, you know, we saw MVP Jokic last year. Yeah. I think for, for Luca especially, like he needs somebody that he respects, obviously. You think it would be Jason Kidd in this case to talk to him and say, this is what you need to do in the off season to be at least as great as I was. Like he should be a lot better than Jason Kidd overall, like throughout the course of his career based on what he can do on the floor. Like, Jason Kidd was a top 50 player, obviously, but, um, you know, Luka should be top 10, 15 all-time if everything goes right. 
I mean, Zion could be the same thing too if he decided to get his ass in shape too. But these guys just need somebody to, I don't know, just to take them aside and show them what can happen if you actually, you know, do this seriously and do it early in your career. So later on, it's easier to do. Like maybe if they had a relationship with LeBron who spends a million plus dollars on his body every year, maybe they'd be able to see like, okay, this is what he does. This is what I need to do going forward. Instead of just spending your summer, you know, smoking hookah and uh, <laughs> eating way too much food in your country. I think it's it's kind of different though, right? Because when you're younger, you don't really understand how your body operates at the same time, right? Like you just assume that you can metabolize everything. Like remember yourself at 22? Were you really worrying about how many Cokes you were drinking in a day or how much pizza we were eating after playing ball? Hell no. No, for sure. But at the same time, these guys have people around them telling them what they need to be doing. Like these guys are hired for this specific purpose and they have anything at their disposal, honestly. Like they can go to the gym whenever they want to. They can go to the practice court, uh, call the trainer up and say, you know, rebound my shots, pass me the ball at three in the morning if you want to. They can get personal chefs whenever they want to and they should have personal chefs, honestly. I think it's the thing that both of them are missing right now. But they just need to make sure that Luca stays in the United States next offseason and doesn't go back to Slovenia because, you know, he's obviously going to be a superstar there, right? And people are going to yeah. want him to come to every single party and then he's going to stay out till three in the morning doing who knows what and gaining 30 pounds in the offseason. So. Hold on, hold on, no, no, no. If Luca were to stay in the States, like say he went to Miami or like or LA, like every other NBA player, you're telling me he wouldn't be partying all night anyways? Get out of here, Josh. I mean, I don't believe it. I don't think that the level he would be in Slovenia because, again, he's like probably the number one superstar over there when he goes over there. So he's probably yeah, bigger than the still, president over there. Even then, though, I think it's one of those lessons that you have to learn on your own as a young player, right? Like, I think you need direction, though. I think, you know, going back to what a lot of these veterans say, like, you know, you talk, you hear about like Jamal Crawford and guys that are, you know, now retired talking about how they had veterans coming up that taught them the ropes and showed them early in their career what not to do, even though a lot of these guys still did stupid things, obviously. But I think Luca needs somebody like that, whether it's Jason Kidd or somebody else on the roster who can, you know, get in his ear and that he respects um, in order for him to clean up whatever he needs to to get into shape and show up to camp at 240. <laughs> 240. Oh, man. But it's different with, like, superstars, though, wouldn't you think? Like, I understand. If you have a guy, like, even, a like, a star player, like, say someone of, I don't know, who's a generic star player right now? Bradley um, Beal. Sure. Let's say Bradley Beal or, like, Drew Holiday caliber player. If that kind of player came in the league and you're like, hey, man, like, this is what you got to do. Kind of like when Barkley came in, you know, you always hear about Barkley having Moses Malone and Dr. J and Andrew Tony teaching him the ropes, right? Barkley was never the same kind of guy that Luca is. He was never a top five player coming into his second year, right? Like, if if you're that good of a player or that like generational talent, are you really gonna listen to guys like Jamal Crawford telling you what to do, or like is Richard Jefferson talking to me really gonna help? Hell no! I'm gonna tell RJ to fuck off. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I guess so. So I think having veteran presence is good, obviously, but. For generational talent, I don't think it's something that like veterans can uh, guide you through like the same way that it works with like star players. 
Yeah, that might be true. And, you know, going back to the whole LeBron example, like maybe they just need to go to another generational talent and take this seriously and be like, all right, what do I need to do to get to your level or the level that you were at yeah. at, you know, year four or five, whatever, in order to sustain excellence and be able yeah. to play every game? Because guys like Luka and Jokic, they want to play games because they want people back in their home countries to see them when they wake up at four or five in the morning, like Jokic has already said that, like he said that he wants to play in all 82 games because people in his country are waking up at three in the morning, watching him specifically. And that's why he was disappointed yeah. recently. Why he sat out with that wrist injury, but Luca's the same way too. And he's not playing right now because he's got a sore ankle. And I think a lot of that has to do with all the, the weight he's gained. <laughs> uh, you know what? That's a good point. Actually, maybe they need someone kind of like, uh, the mentorship, I guess, that Jordan had for Kobe that we found out about after Kobe's path passing, right? Uh, maybe you need that like generational star to be your guidance, right? Like they, these guys all have each other's phone numbers or are able to get each other's phone numbers. So maybe you're right. Maybe someone like LeBron would be that guy. Or Luca's a Jordan guy, right? Like Luca's been repped by Jordan for the past like three or four years. I'm sure he has a direct line to 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 him. Yeah, Why man, not? I would love to be in that conversation. <laughs> Michael Jordan talking to Luca about his weight. Oh man, that'd be fantastic. Imagine, imagine the two of them smoking together. <laughs> Jordan sees this hookah thing and is like, "What the hell is that? <laughs> Give me that <laughs> right now." <laughs> you should only be smoking cigars and drinking whiskey while you're out. Okay, <laughs> this is how you maintain goat shit. Yeah, Jordan obviously has a very addictive personality based on what we've heard throughout you know the documentary series and everything else so i think him getting hooked on certain substances would not be a good thing for him being you know 60 plus years old but he survived so far pretty well so and he never slept on game days either so he's done pretty well for himself <laughs> so maybe jordan knows the secret to not getting fat then yeah yeah but you know jordan also has like i don't know he's he's just a lead at everything obviously and uh <sighs> Being able to put up 63 points when you get zero hours of sleep is something else. Yeah, or if you, you know, are hung over in the finals. Yeah, so maybe he's not the best example, honestly. I think LeBron might be the guy to go to. Yeah, but then you gotta, like, watch Space Jam 2 and shit with LeBron, and it becomes a whole thing. Do you really want to do that? Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, I'd rather talk, I'd rather, man, I'd rather just get fat than have to watch Space Jam 2 with LeBron. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like you said, it just comes down to mentality. They needed to change their mental in some way in order to just take this more, especially Zion. Like, we haven't really talked about him yet, but yeah. <laughs> we mostly talked about Luca. Because Luca's closer yeah. to, you know, excellence and greatness since what he, you know, what he's done in the playoffs, what we've seen from him in those big games. But Zion he hasn't even come close to that point. And then he's got a contract extension coming up next year. And who knows what's going to happen with that, honestly, now. So. I don't know. Yeah. And we've seen the reports of Zion, you know, obviously showing up to training camp really out of shape and not taking film studies seriously. Like, it's one thing to be out of shape and not being able to rehab. Like, fine, you're told to rest by your doctors. But you can watch game film all day, right? Like, we know the smartest players in the league. If you talk to Chris Paul, if you talk to LeBron, you talk to even Rondo, guys who have insane IQ will tell you that they watch game film. <clears throat> Sorry. We'll tell you they watch game film all day, right? Or that they're watching League Pass every night without fail. Jamal Crawford still not in the league, still on League Pass every night. Like he vouches by that all the time. Zion showing up and you're having played, you know, 
one and a half years at most. She's played the equivalent of one full NBA season and barely showing up to, to film. That's not a good look, man. Or oh, yeah. Like, you got to know your opponents above all else, right? But you can't just like, rely on your athleticism, especially when you're way overweight. Reportedly falling asleep in film studies, too. Like, that wasn't even a story. Like, there was a guy, a reporter on Twitter that said he did that, and he had sources for it. And uh, it really went nowhere. You'd think that'd be, like, a massive story based on what's happened in the last year with Zion. But I think we're going to see, you know, come next season, because I don't think he's going to play this year at all. Like, why would you bring him back at this point? No. Hell no. He's going to be out at least the next two months, plus conditioning. Yeah. So by then, it's going to be late February, early March. You know what? I take it back. I think they might play him the last month the same way they did in his rookie year. Remember, he showed up, I think, in his rookie year, he started playing in mid to late January, right? He had that one, that first game against the Spurs where he had like three or four threes, and then uh, Elvin Gentry had to take him out even though he didn't want to, and blah, blah, blah. I think he's going to show up, like, right after the All-Star break and just, you know, do his thing and get himself back into shape like that. I don't know, because he's still going to be out for six weeks, and then you need at least two more weeks for reconditioning. And we saw what happened last time with reconditioning for him. You know, he hurt his foot again, obviously. So, and you have to factor in tanking, too, because, you know, if they're (laughs) way down the standings... In March, why bother bringing him back when you can just say, all right, we're going to get you on a plan now. We're going to tank, get a nice pick, come back with you, Ingram, JV, I guess, and (laughs) a pick. And then hopefully David Griffin gets fired and, you know, bring somebody in who knows what they're doing and revamp the team a little bit. Who's who's the best three-point shooter in the league this year? JV or Zeke Naji? Oof, tough one. We talking about right? minimum attempts here? If so, JV. <laughs> We're talking about just raw shooting percentages. Zeke Naji. Oh well. Never mind Steph Curry uh, taking over the all-time leading three-pointers made. Yeah, it's all about Zeke Naji. He should have had a standing ovation recently. Yeah, man, he could be the next Steph Curry if you know he had a green light. Yeah, so could Ben Simmons in five thousand years. <laughs> oh, poor Ben Simmons, but not really poor Ben Simmons. Do you think he gets traded at any point? <sighs> Just yes or no. I like. I don't care where you think he's gonna go. I don't like. Whatever. We've all gone through that. But will he get traded this year? I'm gonna say no. I think he gets traded in the off season. And the reports about him going to New Orleans were just weird. Like that'd be the last place you would think he'd fit in. Because him and Zion do a lot of the same stuff in terms of like running the breaks and operating in the same area, getting to the basket, not shooting outside of five feet. So I don't really think that those two would fit well together. Plus, you'd probably have to give up Ingram. And then where are you? You're not really in a different place. Yeah, no, that'd be an awful idea. I mean, the trade they were talking about was like trading all the picks that they got in the The Drew Holiday Holiday trade. And I mean, I understand like wanting to get the three, no, three, not elite talents, but near elite talents together, but they don't really fit together. That'd be like a last stitch move for like, uh, David Griffin before he gets fired, it's like sort of like the the Rudy Gay move that uh, Brian Colangelo did. <laughs> Yo, shouts to Rudy Gay, man. Rudy Gay is fitting in pretty nicely in Utah right now. Utah, low key, one of the best teams again this season, and uh, getting zero media attention, like at all. When was the last time you saw anything about the the Jazz organization, other than Danny Ainge getting hired as 
CEO, president, something or other. Yeah, nobody really knows what he's really going to be doing if he's basically taken over um, basketball operations from Justin Zanuck um, and what the situation is there. But, you know, with Utah, they just seem like they're going through the same transformation as to what Milwaukee did last year. Nobody believes in them. Everyone thinks they're a paper tiger. That, you know, they're going to run over the regular season and come playoff time. They're going to have the exact same issues. And Milwaukee did get pretty lucky last year facing a Brooklyn team with only one point, I don't know, two superstars. This game's hard was less than 50%, I would say. Yep. But, uh, you know, maybe Utah runs them the same luck this year. I mean, a lot of teams are having COVID issues and the West is not nearly as good with, you know, the sixth seed being 500 right now. Um, whereas in the East, I think like the 10th seed is around 500. So the East is better than the West this year. And, you know, we said last year this is Utah's time to, to shine. And this year they have a better roster and they still have another uh, trade chip uh, come the trade deadline. And that they can trade their first round pick and maybe another player to get like a wing player. There's been rumors around, you know, Jeremy Grant, for example. Um, <laughs> he's going to go somewhere. Like he's going to get traded for sure. Yeah, but uh, For sure. Yeah, I mean, Utah has a chance to obviously win the title this year, but they they still have a few things to figure out. And again, they're doing the exact same thing as Milwaukee did last year. On defense, they're trying to switch more. They're experimenting with Rudy Gay at center a little bit. They're seeing how he looks next to Gobert. So they have a lot of guys off their bench that can play, obviously, and you know play right now. The Jazz have their uh, first in offensive rating, first in net rating, first in field goal percentage, and first in threes. Pretty that is uh That is insane offense for a team that like two years ago was known strictly for their defense, right? As a team that was purely reliant on Rudy Gobert holding everything down. And then the offense was Donovan Mitchell going iso ball all the damn time. But to be first in threes, that means that you're actually moving the rock. And guys like Mike Conley, Boyan Bogdanovich, and obviously to a lesser extent, Royce O'Neal are shooting the ball well. And obviously Donovan Mitchell has been absolutely on fire this year. In his last eight games, he's averaged like 29 points. Yeah, the biggest difference with them, though, is Conley, in that he's now figured out how to play with Gobert. And he's had, uh, I think it's around 50, 40, 80, or 85. He's been super efficient this year. It's just a matter of him staying healthy, obviously. But yeah, Utah's, they've been really impressive, obviously, the last eight games, winning eight in a row. Donovan Mitchell having, you know, a bunch of big games in between there. And they have a really stacked roster. I mean, they have a bunch of veterans coming off the bench who know how to play. And it's just a matter of can they do this in the playoffs against a team like, you know, uh, Phoenix, uh, even the Lakers. Like, you look at the Lakers, even though they're struggling right now, would you take Utah over a healthy Lakers team with 2.5 superstars? I don't know. (laughs) Man, speaking of the Lakers, I was watching uh, the Lakers-Mavericks game that was on ESPN the other night. And there was one play that just really pissed me off, so I just want to go off on it. LeBron's driving. He starts from the right wing, from the three line. He drives into the lane. And uh, for some reason, Jalen Brunson is switched onto him, right? So Brunson's playing defense. His arms are up. Like, both arms are up. LeBron does this weird, like, drop-off pass to Austin Reeves with his left hand. So he's going, like, you know, he's driving left. And he drops it off. And then somehow the refs called a foul on Brunson. And everyone's like, both his arms are up. Like, what are you, what the hell are you talking about? How is that a foul? And then obviously they did the replay. Uh, Mark Jackson and Jeff and Gundy went off about how, you know, it was a bad call, how the refs got to do better, blah, blah, blah. 
It's just wild. It just brought back you talking about the Lakers brought this up to me that I still hate watching LeBron. Yeah, there's certain guys in the NBA still getting those, you know, rip through foul calls or jumping into guys' bodies when they're 15 yeah. feet away from the basket. Like Kevin Durant still gets a ton of those. Like he's the probably oh, the yeah. top guy this year that's still getting those fouls that you're not supposed to get anymore. And they've been picking on guys like James Harden and Trey Young, obviously, but guys like Durant and LeBron still get those calls right now. I think they're about the only two, to be honest. I can't, I can't think of anyone else who's actually getting calls like that because they are like the top two dogs in the league, right? Like obviously Giannis is a top three player, top two, top one, whatever you want to call him. But Giannis doesn't really play like that. Uh, Steph hasn't been getting those calls this year, to be frank. He's shooting the hell out of the ball, but he's not getting his... Like, he's leaning into a lot of shots and just not getting the call, which he shouldn't. Yeah, and Jokic plays in that, like, 8 to 14-foot area, and he doesn't get a lot of calls, which is why he gets so many technicals or gets thrown out of games recently, so... Jokic uh, gets a lot of that Shaq treatment, eh? Have you noticed that? Where he'll just get hacked to hell? Similar to Shaq back in the day, because Shaq was so dominant and, you know, obviously larger than life. But Jokic is just a beast out there. Dude's 7'1", he's got to be like close to 280, and just towers over people. And if you watch him, his arms are red the whole, like almost the whole game. Your arms don't get, just get red. Like you're obviously getting hacked. You can see scratches on his arms all the time. And uh, yeah, not as many calls as you would think for a reigning MVP. Yeah, and I saw a clip yesterday um, on ESPN about um, you know Jokic potentially being the MVP this year too. And, you know, a guy like Kendrick Perkins was laughing about it. And then Zach Lowe basically went off on him like, you know, Jokic is having a better year this year than he was last year, yeah. despite the defense being better and being able to, you know, push guys out. And obviously with big guys, you've always been able to do that because the referees don't call that stuff with big guys. They only call it in the perimeter with small guys. And despite that, he's got a higher effective field goal percentage. He's not averaging as many assists because his teammates suck, honestly. But yep. overall, he's, especially the last 10 games, he's averaging like 30, 10, and 10 or something like those, or 30, 15, and 10 on like yeah. 65% from the field. If yeah. He had a better team. I mean, he's in his prime right now, obviously. So we haven't really seen anything like him before. And yet somehow LeBron still won player of the week in the West. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's because of LeBron. <laughs> I mean, LeBron yeah. had great stats too, but not to that level. Yeah, sorry, he didn't average a triple-double with, like, 30 points. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, even yesterday, like, people were talking about how Cat finally had a good game against Jokic, and he really did. Like, he really took it to him. Yeah. I was watching a lot of that game. And then you look at the box score, like, Jokic had 28, 10, and 10 on, like, 11 for 16 from the field, and they still lost by 25 points. It's easy to beat a team that, uh, you know, doesn't have a starting point guard, a starting three and he's basically a one-man show there. Or any starting position, really. You can argue Barton's yeah. not really a starter either. I mean, I would just say Aaron Gordon. Gordon's like <laughs> the only one, I guess you could say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they've got two starters out of five running their, their team, so that's great. Yeah, Good for Denver. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers real quick? Because over the offseason, man, we were down on this team, boy. Going extra big, bringing in Lori Markinen on top of their draft pick, Nevin Mobley, and uh, we can all shut the hell up because this team is <laughs> this team is incredible right now, man. Going extra big is apparently the new move. Yeah, maybe they're bringing it back. I mean, you obviously need a guy that can defend the perimeter like Nevin Mobley can on switches, but 
The biggest thing with them for me in the offseason was that they didn't really decide what they were going to do at the point guard position. Because I was saying, like, they should just look to trade Colin Sexton before his extension comes up. And Darius Garland should be the guy. So I was right about that part. Big part, I was not right about, obviously. Um, but, you know, so far it's been working out. And uh, they obviously have the best defense, or one of the best defenses in the NBA. I think they're number two now after last night's game. Uh, That's right. They've been number three for a while. And, uh, you know, both those guys, like Mobley and Allen, like Allen's not as good at it, but Mobley's been, I think he's top five in terms of big men defending the pick and roll and defending guards on switches. And he can basically do everything at a near elite level on defense in his rookie season, which is pretty incredible. I heard that they also had like the toughest schedule to this point as well, right? Yeah, that's correct. And uh, they're, as of Thursday evening, afternoon, whatever. They're sitting at 18 and 12. Like, they're in a like a legitimate playoff position right now. And if their schedule is going to get easier, if there's no confusion between who gets to run the team, which is obviously now Garland's team, dude, this team could at, like, legitimately be in the playoffs and cause problems for half the East. Yeah, like, I think we were talking about Washington the way we should have been talking about Cleveland a couple weeks ago in that they finally figured out who they are. And that was clearly not the case since they've lost a lot of games recently. They sort of gone away from what <laughs> made them good. I mean, they've also had a tough part of the schedule too. But the biggest thing with Cleveland is they can rely on being great defensively every single night as long as Mobley's in the lineup. I mean, when he was out, they lost, I think, all four games that he uh, was out for. And when he came back, obviously they went on like a big run. Even though he's had, you know, some not-so-great games statistically, just him being in there and, uh, you know, being in the game when... Uh, Allen's out has been huge for them. But the biggest thing with them recently, I think, the biggest change for them has been Isaac Okoro shooting 50% from three the last 10 games. But unfortunately, now he's in the health Whoa. and safety protocol. So Cleveland might, you know, they're a little bit thin right now with him being out, especially because they don't have a lot of wing players, obviously, with them having to play marketing in the small forward. So losing him might cause them to dip a little bit the next however long he's out for. I won't lie to you. I thought you were going to say their best part has been Kevin Love. He's he's had a couple good games recently. Yeah. Kevin Love has found a legitimate spot on this team. I mean, he's obviously the highest paid player on the team. Yeah, I believe so. And, uh, you know, it's just nice to see him have a positive attitude this season and not just like sulking on the bench or sulking in the game by passing the ball to their team on inbounds plays. That's been a positive. So uh, what happens to, to Sexton this summer then? Realistically. Because if the team stays the way it is right now, right? Like if you're if you're manning the front office here, I wouldn't. I'd offer him. I'd offer him a contract, obviously. But am I really married to the idea of having Sexton there? Not at all. No, I'd offer him like a friendly contract that I could trade in like a year. It depends what side of the coin you're on, right? It's sort of like the Bogdanovich situation, where you have to decide between keeping the asset just to be able to trade them later, I suppose. Or right now, I mean, he's injured, and you know what he is, obviously, and he's 22, 23 years old. So I think they should be looking to trade him to a team that doesn't really care about winning right now and then try to get as much back as you can for him. Like, try to get a first-round pick and maybe a decent young player for him. Cause I maybe maybe the Kings. Yeah. I mean, they already have so many no, guards, though. <laughs> you might as well keep adding <laughs> on to it, right? The Kings love guards, man. I mean, the one thing I wouldn't do is I wouldn't trade him for Karis LeVert like it's been talked about because that sort of eliminates your identity just by starting him over a guy like Okoro 
who's been a really good defensive player for them. And Laverne's not good enough to bolster up their offense and trade for a $20 million contract when he's been really injured too. He's just not a reliable player. Like he's, he's good when he plays, but I see him the same way as I see Sexton. I think both of those guys are six men. I th- yeah. 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 Like uh, six men, like coming off the bench as like a, a big scorer, right? Like a, as a chucker, basically. Jordan Clarkson is pretty much what I'm calling both of these guys. Except Karis Levert is a bit taller and might have better vision. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, that's basically it. I mean, they're guys who need the ball to score and not going to provide anything on defense. Well, Sexton will, but not Levert. I think one interesting move, though, could be instead of Levert, once Warren gets back, I think that could be interesting. You trade a guy like Sexton for a guy like TJ Warren, who broke out last year. And, you know, when he was healthy... He's... It wasn't last year, man. It wasn't last year. When was the last time you saw TJ Warren on the court? It feels like last year. I don't know. These these COVID years just mesh together. <laughs> the bubble. <laughs> TJ Warren was the best player during the regular season games, or whatever the hell you want to call them, in the bubble. Yeah. So that was, uh, like, summer 2020. Yeah. Right? And then he missed all of this uh, the following year. I think he played, like, three games and then was out indefinitely. And it's still out. So he's missed a year and a half so far. Mm. I mean... TJ Warren coming back might not be the solution, man. That's all I'm saying. No, for sure. I mean, obviously you can't rely on him either, but Sexton's out for the year anyway. So, I mean, if you get a somewhat healthy Warren back and you're looking for swing players, he's on a really good contract as well. And uh, he could really help them if he's actually healthy. Like, a guy like that that can score from everywhere and really improve his three-point shot. When before he was just yeah. like a Antoine Jameson type of scorer, just hitting those little tweener shots. Now he can pretty oh, much do everything. Antoine. So, shout to Anton Jameson. And you have Good a team player. in Indiana too that's looking at the tank. So I think that that sort of makes a lot of sense for them to be trade partners. What about uh, a guy like, I mean, back to the Kings, but Buddy Heald, who's sort of just gotten forgotten on that bench? Yeah, I could definitely see him getting traded as well. You mean for the Cavs? Yeah. Good scorer, decent defender. Yeah. Same same idea of like a chucker off the bench. Well, I think you would have Imagine to start him with if Rubio. training for him though. And again, like you're sort of losing your identity if he's going to be a starter for you. Yeah. That's why I said off the bench, I think he would be better. Yeah. At least, right? I mean, I guess you sort of accept that role now, even though he seems really pissed off having to come off the bench every game. But, you know, I, I think for a team like Philadelphia, he'd make a lot of sense. You know, to where all he has to do is just catch and shoot the entire game, not have to worry about everything else. But if he has a more, uh, like a role where he has to do a lot more, like he would in Cleveland, I don't know if he'd be successful there. Yeah, man, imagine having, as a as a guard, like as a shooter, imagine having a big like Joel Embiid to play with. What a dream. Or Nikola Jokic, obviously. Yeah. But, wow, what a dream that would be, man. Whew. Yeah, I mean, guys like Seth Curry are having career years, obviously, and uh, it's a lot thanks to Joel Embiid. Seth Curry at like 31 or 32 years old having a career year. Even J.J. Redick, when he was there for his first one or two years, he had a career year there because all he had to do was just catch the ball around and scream from Joel, and he was wide open every time. (laughs) That DHO, man, that Philly DHO was, was great for that year and a half. Absolutely. Do you have anything for Stats Corner or no? A one-man stats corner. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yay. I guess we can talk about... I mean, we've been talking about big guys a little bit in this podcast. So let's go with uh, post-up frequency. In terms of eligibility, we'll go with at least 
four possessions. No, yeah, four possessions a game. Can you name the guys who post up the most in the NBA thus far this season? It's got to be Embiid. Embiid is number one at eight possessions a game at thirty four percent frequency. Also, I'm not counting guys like Robin Lopez, who's number two. <laughs> <laughs> he's played in eleven games and he's averaging Damn, was, two possessions a game. That was going to be my next guess, man. Is uh, Rudy Poo Gobert in here? Posting up? No, he is. Oh, thank not. God. I'm very happy that he's not. You know, I'm just saying he was uh, habitual for a long time, and it was awful to watch. Kind of like Dwight Howard back in the heyday. That's part of what makes Utah so good, though, is he just really accepted his role this year. And he's doing a little bit more when he's actually catching the ball in the paint this year. Like he's had some nice spin moves and some nice yep. left-handed hooks and stuff, but you don't want that to become too much of a thing. No, no, no. Uh, what teams am I like? KD? Uh, KD's not in the top five. I don't even see him here on this list, actually. He's actually Damn. at 11% overall, which is way down the list. Damn. All right, give me a hint here, man. Uh, Really bad. Actually, two really bad uh, Western Conference teams. Two white dudes. JV? Yep. JV is at <laughs> technically number two. Um, number three behind Robin Lopez. At uh, <laughs> 26%. About five possessions a game. And then okay, behind okay. him is a rookie. A rookie in the West? Alperin Sengun? That is correct. He is at wow. 23% at two possessions a game. Wow. He's fun Yo, to who's watch. got better vision? That guy or Nikola Jokic, man? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think Alperin Sengun sees the same sort of things that Jokic sees. It just he doesn't really know how to get the ball there because he turns the ball over more than almost anybody yeah. in the league per possession. But, but he'll try anything, man. Oh, he's tried some crazy passes. Even yesterday, I was watching yeah. his highlights from yesterday when he had like a 19 and 11. He tried one pass like behind the head the opposite way. Sort of like what LeBron does, does on fast breaks. Doesn't give a damn. No, I mean, why would like you? It. You're behind by 40 points. You might as well try stuff. <laughs> true, true, true. And uh, the next two guys are also Euro players. One you already mentioned. So Jokic is one Jokic? of those guys. Yeah. At 22%, five a game. And then after that, another Western Conference playoff team. Western Conference playoff team? White dude. A white dude? A white guy posting up? You watched you him yesterday. Say. I watched him yesterday? Mm-hmm. What the hell did I watch yesterday? I don't even remember anymore. Uh, Is it KP? It is KP. Oh. At uh, 22%. Four possessions a game. Kristaps, comeback year. Wow. And to think somebody dropped him on our fantasy waiver wire. Unbelievable. Insanity. And I saw a stat yesterday that before yesterday's game where he shot 8 for 22 from the field, um, he was at 57% on post-ups, which is unlike him because previous years he was at around 40%. So Hey, man, all, all Dallas needed was that leadership committee. Clearly. <laughs> yep. Three-man committee and then uh, full communication. That's all Luca cares about. Yeah. It's communication with his coach. Apparently, that's all he ever needed with Rick Carlisle. Yeah, there's all this talk about, you know, them working stuff out and yet they're 500, mostly because luca has been out, but still. It's not just because luca has been out. It's because Luca's fat. Yeah, both. I mean, if he was yeah, actually in can... shape, they'd be a top four seed easily right now. I don't know about that, but, you know, they'd be better. <laughs> Where are they right now? They're not... 
They're not that high. They were in sixth place before yesterday's game at around 500. They were 14 and 13, I think. Okay, so they're 14 and 14 as of recording, and they're in seventh place. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say they'd be fourth, but yeah, okay. I I see what you're saying here. They could be better than the Lakers and Clippers right now. Oh, easily. I still don't think the Clippers are going to make the playoffs, but that's just, I mean, or the Lakers, really. The Clippers being like above 500 with the team that they have on the floor right now is incredible. It's like, true. Ty Lue is really doing something out there because uh, if you're building a team or an offense and a defense that's reliant on Yvatsa Zubac and Reggie Jackson, I mean, props because Paul George has barely played this year. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I wouldn't say he's barely played. I mean, he's, he's just missed, missed the last like four games or so, but. Uh, I think it's been longer than that, hasn't it? No, he's been out like four games with an elbow thing, but he's played most of the games besides that. Uh, but okay, even still, that. like, despite that, it just goes to show you how much a system actually matters. Like, you look at a team like Cleveland, too. Look at their roster and how they've won games this year. If they didn't have the defense that they did, like, their offense is hard to watch sometimes. But yeah. recently, they've been better, obviously. But overall, like, when you have that system, at least on one side of the ball, you actually know what you're doing. And guys that come into the game know what their role is and they're not trying to play outside of it. It really makes a massive difference. Mm-hmm. Shouts to Ty Lu, man. Shouts to Ty Lu. All right, I'm going to call it here. I want to thank everyone for listening. Hopefully next week we can get our residential medical expert, Rajan Walia, back on the pod. It's kind of weird doing this with just two people. No, he's out for I mean, two I don't weeks with COVID protocols. He's not allowed on the podcast. <laughs> you imagine? You're not allowed to Zoom? <laughs> Poor bastard. Oh, man. If the Ontario right, government think- has its way, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Well, lock it down, Josh. Lock everything down. Like the fact we can't lock even like, internet. schedule a booster shot for who knows how many months. It's so ridiculous. Hey, we'll talk about that off the air. I want to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe on iTunes. Leave us those comments, those five-star reviews, Josh. Please oh, yeah. and thank you. Always. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Hoops Corner Pod. And until next time, peace. Peace.